0: For today, we're going to be in Second Corinthians uh, chapter 11. If you have a Bible, let's open up there. I want to pray today for our president. Uh, a lot of you, maybe you've heard Franklin Graham is encouraging uh, churches around the country to pray for our president, and uh, a lot of uh, you know interesting opinions. Uh, but you see God working, and you see God's sovereignty. And so I want to pray for him. I also want to pray for, uh, we've been praying for Gloria's sister, Rachel. And this past week, uh, Rachel went home to be with the Lord. And so we want to pray for the family, uh, the Frias family, and uh, a few other as we uh, enter into our study today. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for allowing us to pray to you and know that it makes a difference. Father God, as churches uh, around the country are looking to you, Lord, that you would bless the united states of america your word says that we're to pray for our leaders for all those who are in authority lord that they would be saved and that they would be led by you that we might lead a quiet and peaceable life and father we lift up our president to you father we ask that you give him wisdom we ask that you give him a protection we ask that you give him strength lord and we do Thank you for for those laws, Lord, that are lining up with your word. thank you for favor that our country is having towards Israel, even for the life, uh, Lord, in in the womb, that the moment of conception, Lord, uh, for just the things, Lord that we see that you're doing, God. And we ask that, Lord, you would just be with him and be with His family, Father God. And I just thank you that we can lift up, Lord, all those who are grieving today. I think, uh, Uh, Of Rachel's family, her husband Danny, Art and Gloria, and the Frias family. Lord, comfort them. Continue to comfort uh, the Arenas family, uh, Kathy. Lord, I I pray you go before us in the services. And Lord, we just thank you that we can pray uh, for those who are sick. uh, Lisa, Mercy. Um, Lord, I think of John and those who are in that whole uh, just battling uh, cancer. God, heal them. Encourage them. And Lord, again, as we study your word together, may you open our eyes, may you open our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so to, today we're we're continuing our series, uh, Foundations of Our Faith, and today we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. You know, and I was reading a, an article, it's real interesting, a true story it was put in the paper about a man uh, who got in his car, couldn't start it up. I come to find out someone has stole his engine kind of interesting huh imagine that and I don't know how they did the whole engine sometimes the battery dies you get in and you just got no power a lot of Christians unfortunately I think are living like that you know the engine won't start Um, there's just no power there's no fire there's no passion there's no anointing Uh, there's no effectiveness there's no fruit and, and what that is, is that not that you're not saved per se, but it's that we're not filled, we're not under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And so today's study is a very important study because there's a lot of confusion about the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, I'll go so far as saying this. So there's a, a ministry out there, it's called the Bible Project, and a lot of us would recommend them. And so today I went online to talk, you know, just to kind of see what did they have to say. And it was about a five minute video on the Holy Spirit and they described the Holy Spirit merely as an energy, merely as a force. And I thought about this, I'm like, wait a minute, the Holy Spirit is not just a force, he's not just merely you know, our, our energy. And, and, and what, what, I, what I was just so like, flabbergasted about is that here's a ministry that's in the thick of Christianity that a lot of people are watching videos by these guys and listening to them. And they never once in the video mentioned the fact that the Holy Spirit is a person. Now, we've gone over over this, right? The Trinity, uh, you guys all know this by heart. I I pray if you don't, that you would please commit it to to memory. Don't eat until you memorize this, okay? (laughs) One God and three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, equal in essence and nature, but not in function and office. So one God, three persons. And so it's important for us to know this because, you know, uh, what Paul wrote right here is interesting. Notice here in 2 Corinthians 11, we're going to discover that there is actually a a couple of fears that are valid. Notice what he says in in verse 3, but I fear, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 11, I fear, lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. You know, fear, uh, for the most part, is not a good thing. Uh, fear, uh, for the most part, is the antithesis to faith. And so we are not to be a fearful people. That's why the most common command in the Bible is do not be afraid. But there are a couple of fears that are, that are valid. Number one is the fear of God. And so we are to cultivate a healthy fear of God. But right here, Paul has another fear And what he's afraid is that someone's going to come into the church and, you know, might not necessarily be in the building. Maybe they'll write a book. Maybe they'll be preaching on the radio or television or somehow influence you, and they'll preach a different Jesus. They preach a different Holy Spirit. They preach a different gospel, which Paul said in the book of Galatians, it's not really a gospel if it's not the pure gospel. But I'm afraid that if that happens that you just might put up with it. And, and we can't. We can't tolerate it. And that's why it's important to cover doctrine. Who is the Father? Who is the Son? Who is the Holy Spirit? You know, we went over the fact that when Jesus gave the Great Commission, He said, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. And that's not just water baptism. That's submerging the church and the three persons of the Godhead, discovering who they are. Because it's life-changing. I mean, it's life-changing. Yes, we need to know the power, the energy of the Holy Spirit. But we need to know the person of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, we'll never really have that power. And so in case you're wondering, Manny, why have you paused in teaching through? uh, Believe you me, I'm just as excited as you are to get back into teaching through a book of the Bible. I I miss it, but I know how important this is because there's a lot of people out there who are very confused about the Holy Spirit. You know, there's, there's, you know, worship, uh, these great whatever so-called worship teams that are out there that are teaching lies about the Holy Spirit. You know, they'll tell you that if you're really filled with the Holy Spirit, that this thing called gold dust is going to kind of fall in the air or, or angel feathers, um, you know, falling. They'll, they'll tell you that you're going to see smoke. And some people will tell you that if you're really filled with the Holy Spirit, you know, you're going to sing at the top of your lungs and you're going to be weird. That's So oh, that person's really filled with the Holy Spirit because look at the way they're doing somersaults in the sanctuary or something, you know. <laughs> literally i've seen it these videos these people it's just not right they're running they're literally running or they go going they'll get flags and they'll just start you know drawing attention to themselves and oh that's a person who's filled with the holy spirit no that's not what the bible says and that's why we have to make sure we understand this we're going to see it's love we're going to see it's obedience we're going to see it's a lot different than that and so uh we have to be careful that we don't put up we don't tolerate others preaching a different jesus or a different spirit or a different gospel and so today we're going to look at the holy spirit and of course we can't study everything about him but hopefully we'll be able to cover the things the lord wants us to cover today and so let's go over to john chapter 14 As the first point for today is the the person of the Holy Spirit. And I would encourage you uh, today, if you can, you know, turn your Bible, go to these references. If possible, write them down. You know, if you have a notepad or maybe even on your phone. Because when the cults come knocking at your door, when you're debating that person, wherever it is at work and love, you have to be able to show them where the scriptures are. And so the first thing we see is that this is the person of the Holy Spirit. And we know we see here in verse 16 an interesting thing. You know, John chapter 14, 13, 14, 15, 16. They're like the final words before Jesus goes and and he's going to die. And so he talks about the things that are important. And one of the things that he emphasizes during this dialogue, during this teaching is the Holy Spirit. And just notice, if you would, we'll hone in on verse 16. He says right here, And I will pray the Father, and He will give you another helper, that He may abide with you forever. And so in reference to the Holy Spirit here, Jesus calls the Holy Spirit an another, which essentially means another like me. And this one, like Jesus, would be a helper. And the Greek word uh, parakletos, it refers to someone sent to come alongside and to help us. And when Jesus talks about this other, this helper, he doesn't refer to him as an it. You know, what Jesus says right here, he didn't say that it may abide with you forever. No, he said that, that he may abide with you forever. See, when you know he's a person then it changes everything. Then you're going to see that we can actually get a little personal with the Holy Spirit so that we can then walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. But first thing you've got to know, because the Jehovah Witnesses will tell you something different and other teachings out there, even in the church, it's just weird. They tell you something different. You have to know He's a person. Look, look at John 16, verse 13. notice what jesus says however when he the spirit of truth has come he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority but whatever he hears he will speak and he will tell you things to come and so jesus says it's better for you that i go away and the reason being because if i go away i'm going to send you the holy spirit now when Jesus was here, uh, 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 and he came, you know, he, he died for us, he limited himself, he emptied himself of his divine privileges, he never lost his deity, but you know, he wasn't everywhere in all places all the time, he was there in certain geographical locations, but when he sent the Holy Spirit to come, now he's able to be with all of us, all the time, the Holy Spirit we're going to see he lives in us. And so he's talking about, you guys, don't worry. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not going to leave you without help. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, take away the power. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give you more power. And we'll see it later in Acts chapter 2. But he says right here, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, then he will guide you into all truth. And what that is primarily in reference to is the canon of the New Testament scripture. See, a lot of people will take that verse and they'll say, well, see, the Spirit of God is still giving new revelation. No, this is in reference to the Bible. We're going to say how important it is. that We don't get weird. The Spirit of God will take the Word of God to conceive a child of God, that the Spirit of God will take the Word of God, is rooted in the Word of God, to conform us into the image of God. And so when he guides us into all truth right here, he's talking about the the New Testament. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And so again, it's all about how the Holy Spirit works and how the Trinity works. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, three persons, equal in essence and nature, but not in function and office. Because you even see that here, that the Spirit is not just saying whatever he wants to say. The Spirit is saying what the Father wants Him to say. He's speaking truth from the top. You see that here. He he won't speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And then He says, and He will tell you things to come. And what that is, is the prophetic aspect of the New Testament. And then also we know we're going to see later the gift of prophecy. And so... You know, you look at that truth, that scripture is packed with so much. But really, the primary point I brought up that scripture is because of the fact that six times, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as he, not it, he, six times. And what we find is that the Holy Spirit is not this impersonal force like Star Wars, right? Uh, He's a person, And what we find is that we need to get personal. And not just pronouns either that he's called. It's also the characteristics he possesses. For example, did you know that you can make the Holy Spirit sorrow with sadness and grief? That we can offend him and make him uneasy? You ever feel uneasy around people? Sometimes uh, you feel a little uneasy because they're being rude to someone. Has that ever... You guys ever been there and it's kind of a weird thing? Maybe a husband's being rude to his wife and you're almost not, you're like, man, should I say something? Because that's not cool. Or whatever, a parent with a kid and it just makes you feel uncomfortable, uneasy. The, the Holy Spirit's a person and he gets sad. You know, when we sin, uh, we quench the Spirit. And, and, when, and when we doubt him, and these are things that we can do, we can grieve the Spirit uh ephesians 4 29 through 30 is a good passage to write down it says let no one let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth but what is good for necessary edification that they may impart grace to the hearers and so what he's saying here is don't let words come out of your mouth that put people down that tear people down in different ways it could be lies it could just be put downs but he says in verse 30 and do not grieve the holy spirit of god by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And so when we do that, we grieve him, right? We make him sad when we sin, like with the things that we say. And you can't do that with an impersonal force. You can't make an impersonal force be sad. And so, you know, when we say words that tear people down, it grieves the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. It kind of reminds me of that man who posted a sign to all his workers, co-workers, who had been talking about him behind his back. The sign said, you disgust me. Have you guys seen that sign? Disgust me. Okay, never mind. You guys will probably look at that later. (laughs) All right. That was a dad joke book, okay? So, (laughs) you know, the Holy Spirit is a person with emotion and volition, right? Meaning that he has a will to exercise he can choose and he does that for example in first corinthians 12 11 it says but one and the same spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually as he wills and so there it is again is a he and it's a will the holy spirit is emotional he's volitional and so first point and we can spend a lot more time on this but i just want to Make sure that we understand as, as Calvary Chapel, El that Holy Spirit is a person, okay? Secondly, we we want to see the purpose of the Holy Spirit. After the person of the Holy Spirit is the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's interesting when you compare even the names of the different members of the Godhead. You know, the Father. Why is he called the Father? You ever think about that? We'll talk about that on Father's Day, and it's going to be... A great discovery, just who he is. Uh, you know, he is our, our father, right? He is the, the father uh, also of Christ. And so you look at the father, and then you look at the son, and you're like, well, why is Jesus called the son? And, and what we'll find as we get into this is that describes their eternal relationship, not like the father made him, not like the father had celestial sex. No, what it is is it describes their eternal relationship. And so we have our Father, we have our our brother, uh, our Savior, Jesus. So you kind of understand the Father and the Son, but why is the Holy Spirit called the Holy Spirit? Now that's a real interesting question, you know, because if you think about it, they're all holy. The Father and the Son are holy. And if you think about it, more than likely, the Father doesn't possess a body. He's still spirit, Right? Jesus has a body because he took that on in the incarnation. And so why is the Holy Spirit called the Holy Spirit? And I believe that at least part of the reason he's called the Holy Spirit is because his purpose is to make us holy. And so when you think of the Holy Spirit, you'll you'll never forget. Well, that's his purpose. He's to make us holy. And we're going to see in two ways. Number one, he's the instrument of salvation and then number two, he's that instrument of sanctification. You know, the Holy Spirit is here right now. He's here right now. And if you're a Christian, he's working, he's teaching, he's, he's uh, making us more like Jesus, he's sanctifying us. If you're not a Christian, then the Holy Spirit is here and he's knocking on your door because he wants to save you. And so we see that uh, salvation uh, positionally You know, that the Holy Spirit is doing that work. You know, Christian salvation means that we're saved from the power and penalty of sin. If you're not a Christian and you die, you go to hell. And then after hell, the Bible says in the book of Luke chapter 16, that that's where they are. It's just a temporary place. Then you go over the book of Revelation that hell is cast into the lake of fire. That's because we've sinned and separated ourselves from God and we need forgiveness. And so the Holy Spirit has come, God has come, you know, to save us from our sins. And so uh, it's interesting when you look at the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they're all involved in salvation. As one person put it, we're saved by the Father when he chose us before time began. We're saved by the Son when he shed his blood on Calvary. But we're saved by the Spirit the moment that we're born again you see and what the father has done in one sense is in the past and what the son has done in in one sense is in the past but what the spirit is doing is now and he is that instrument of salvation so all three members are are involved in that but it's the current ministry of the holy spirit to bring us to that place you know there's a great uh visual of this in the book of genesis chapter 24 when Abraham was looking for a bride for his son Isaac, the, the Bible talks about this guy. We don't even know his name. But Abraham gave him the responsibility to go and find a bride for his son. It was a servant of Abraham. We don't know his name. It's real, like, you know, mysterious. And so some would say later, well, it's this guy, Eliezer, but we're not 100% sure. But that's what the Holy Spirit is doing. The Holy Spirit is gathering a bride. For Christ we don't he doesn't really draw a lot of attention to himself his primary purpose is to make us holy and what he does is he points us to Jesus notice what we read here in John 16 and he's talking about the Holy Spirit Jesus is saying uh, this all this uh, theology pneumatology and in verse 8 it says and now and when he has come he he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. That's the, the main sin. Of, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. And of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. And here Jesus speaks about the Holy Spirit and what he will do. Number one, he, he brings conviction Without that, you'll never get saved. Without the Holy Spirit working in us, telling us that that's sin and you're separated from God, you'll never get saved. Well, how do I get right with God? Well, it says right there that he will convict the world of sin and then of righteousness. He'll convince us of how to be righteous. And Jesus isn't here, but the Holy Spirit will point to him. And hopefully you come to the Lord just on love, but if for some reason you need more, you know, uh, I guess you could say persuasion, He he talks about judgment. The Holy Spirit will communicate these things. And this is how people are saved. You know, John chapter 3 in verse 5, it says, Most assuredly, I say to you, Jesus said, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And there's a lot of debate as far as what the water, water is in reference to, but I believe the water is in reference to the word of God. You see that? In Ephesians 5, and Peter also writes about it, but the Spirit of God will take the Word of God and he'll conceive a child of God. The Spirit of God, like I said, will take the Word of God and they'll conform us more and more into the image of God. You know, and that's why when you look at the Holy Spirit, he's a person. He's a person. And so you're saying, okay, the person of the Holy Spirit, but what's the purpose of the Holy Spirit? To make us holy number one by saving us and then number two by sanctifying us and what that is is the holy spirit will work in our lives if we'll yield to him to make us more and more like jesus how many of you here would like that to happen in your life lord nail the old man to the cross and and let me keep him there and change me you know, my wife, Lord, needs you to change me. You know, my kids and, you know, every parent here, man, they'll tell you how we fail so much, but we don't give up. You know, my, my, my kids, they're not kids anymore. They're in their early 20s. But I tell you what, I am aggressively, aggressively asking God for wisdom on how to parent them. I need the Holy Spirit to change me. You know, sanctification is something that happens immediately. It's a positional thing. We're set apart, but it's also a practical thing, and it happens over time. You know, you're growing. You're becoming more and more like Jesus. We have some really neat passages. Uh, for example, Second Corinthians 3.18, it says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. And so there you see, uh, we're looking in this mirror, and the mirror is what? It's the Bible. It's showing me me, it's showing me also God. It's interesting because it says you go in and you're looking in that mirror, and you're also seeing Jesus. And then what it says is that you are, are, are being transformed into the same image. From glory to glory, just as how? By the Spirit of the Lord. I mean, little by little, what the Holy Spirit is doing is He's making us more and more like Jesus. And what the Spirit does is He uses the Word of God. In Second Thessalonians two thirteen says something similar, but we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the spirit and belief in the truth. And there it is again, the word of God and the spirit of God. Some people never grow as Christians because all they're looking for is experience. They want to come and swing from the chandeliers. They want you to come forward and we'll slay them in the spirit. You know, and it's kind of cool. You get excited about that. But do you really grow? Is there, are there roots going down? Are you getting stronger? No, the Spirit of God will take the Word of God. And as we're open to the Holy Spirit, He'll change us. He'll make us more and more like Him. We, we see the same thing, something similar. in 1 Peter 1, 2, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit. For obedience, notice, and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, Peter says, grace to you and peace be multiplied. And so what's the Holy Spirit's purpose? Is it to give me the, um, you guys like the funny feelings, the tingles? Like I want to go to church and get tingles. You know, I want to get all emotional. I want to get all hyped up. I want to get, you know, hyped up. No, you don't want to get hyped up. You want to get built up. How are you going to get built up? By the Bible. The Word of God. The Spirit of God will take the Word of God to conceive a child of God. The Spirit of God will take the Word of God to conform us into the image of God. And so we see the the person and the purpose. And next are the prepositions of the Holy Spirit. We believe in three prepositions, with, in, and upon. And so you go to John 14... And notice what we read in verse 16. John 14 and verse 16, And I will pray the Father, and He will give you another Helper, that He may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. Now He's speaking to His disciples, remember? But you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. And so here you see a couple of different prepositions. Uh, Prior to salvation, the Holy Spirit is with us, convicting us of sin, convincing us of our need for the Savior, drawing us to God. And although the Holy Spirit is with mankind, drawing them to Him, of course they need to open their hearts to Him when He comes knocking at their doors. Maybe you might remember when you got saved and the Holy Spirit started working, that that is Him with you. But then the moment you get saved, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And we read that there again in verse 17. Jesus said, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now, prior to that, the Holy Spirit didn't live in people. When the Lord came, died on the cross, established the new covenant, from that point forward, think of it. Think of it. God lives in us. It's an amazing thing, and that's the truth. The preposition of with, prior to salvation, and in. You know, you go to First Corinthians chapter six, and notice what you read in verse nineteen. Paul says, "Or, or do you not know?" He's kind of like, "You should know this. Do you not know that your body?" Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. I mean, it's, a, it's an amazing thing to think that the Holy Spirit lives in us. And then that's what he's saying, you know, the, the temple here. The, you read the Bible and you see the way God was manifest or lived in the tabernacle and in the temple, and now uh, he lives in us and his people. We see the same truth in Romans chapter 8, verse 9, Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Bottom line is, the moment we're saved, the Holy Spirit comes and takes residence within us. How, if you, how many of you here are Christians today? If you would raise your hand, okay? If you're a Christian, then the Holy Spirit lives in you. God lives in you. Prior to salvation, He was with us, convicting us of our sin convincing us of the love of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness and the life he has to offer and how we need to give our life to him. But the moment you're saved, the instant you're saved, he comes and he takes up residence within you. He says right there, your body, your body is a temple of God. And so when the Lord was dealing with the apostles, you remember he died on the cross, he rose again, and then in John chapter 20 and verse 22, it says, And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. And so John chapter 20, verse 22, he breathed on them. I don't know, you know, how somehow he just breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit, right? But that wasn't it. You go to Luke 24, if you would turn there. And so you would figure while they received the Holy Spirit and now they can go and now they can do whatever they need to do and live their life and there's nothing more to look forward to. But that's not what Jesus said. After he had already given them the Holy Spirit in John chapter 20, verse 22, he said in verse 49 of Luke 24, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued, with power from on high. And so he's telling them, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to send you the promise of of my father. And as you go and you're tearing in Jerusalem, and we're going to see in the book of Acts, when you guys read it, chapter two, that what did they start doing? They started praying. I mean, it was 120. They were in the upper room. And they were saying, Lord, you made a promise. You said that you would give us power from on high. Here we are, we got 120 people. How are we going to impact the world? I mean, this is a big place. I mean, there are billions of people on planet earth. And you know who we are. We're fishermen. We're former tax collectors. I mean... We're nothing. How can we make an impact? We're not even part of the religious establishment. How can we in any way impact the world? And the Lord said, well, you go pray. You start praying. You start believing so that you can possess the promise of the Holy Spirit. And they did. And you guys know the rest is history that the wind started blowing and and the fire came down and they spoke in, in other tongues. That's what what Jesus is saying here. There's a with, there's the in, and then the third preposition is upon. Again, behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. We see the same thing in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus said there, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You see, this is something that, that we, we need. Most of you here are, are probably Christians. There's a couple of you here I'm still wondering about, but you know, for the most part, you're Christians, right? And so you've know, already gotten past the fact that he was with you and you're, he's already in you. He's in you. Here's the question. Is he upon you? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Like the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, don't be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. One thing I've learned is leadership is not a title. Leadership is influence. Are you being influenced by the Holy Spirit? Are you under the influence of the Holy Spirit? It will take the Word of God to influence you, to change you, to lead you. Are you walking in the Holy Spirit? Because you can always tell when you're not because when you're not you're failing and i and i really believe there's a, a there's a connection between prayer and the holy spirit i believe that ephesians 5:18, and don't be drunk with wine and so we all know how to drink wine you know you drink it and some people will say well you need to get drunk with the spirit drink wine and that sounds kind of weird no No, I think there's an aspect of believing and receiving and and praying. In Luke chapter 11, uh, Jesus gave that parable of the parents who know how to give good gifts to their children. He said, and if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Now, if He's our Father, that means we're saved. And here's children asking their Father for the Holy Spirit. You know, I mean, a couple of uh, silly illustrations, uh, but, you know, it's like prior to the Holy Spirit coming into our life, we're like this glove, right? Nothing, nothing. But then the Holy Spirit comes in, right? And sorry it's dirty, but this is my work glove, okay? And now, now there's power. Now I can do something because the Holy Spirit has come into my life. That's what he wants to do, you know, before you're a Christian, But then, after you're a Christian, and and you guys who have studied this out, I I think you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because there's always that question well, people talk about being filled with the Spirit, you know, and that, you know, means that, you know, how much of Him do I have? But there's also that aspect of how much of me does He have? Does He have just a part of you? Or does He have all of you? Are you one of those people you're like, yeah, I do, you know, church on Sundays? you know that other other than that you know it's not really uh, my life no no he has to have all of you every area and it's kind of like a sponge if I can use this as an example okay I washed the dishes with this this morning no I'm just joking I didn't I should have though but anyways you take this sponge and you just submerge it in the water so it's in the water I mean it's in the water but then the water's in the sponge It's kind of like that with us when it, you know, comes to being Christians that we're, we're in, we're in this, you know, we're in Christ. We're just all in, you know, but then he's all in us. And then like a sponge, you know, love has a soft side and a kind of a comforting side and a correcting side, right? (laughs) At the end of the day, and we don't have time to turn to all these verses, but that's what ends up happening in the book of Galatians. We find that the fruit of the Spirit is love. Before we get there, let me give you a couple of points and then we'll wrap it up. We talk about the Holy Spirit, the, the person of the Holy Spirit, and then the purpose of the Holy Spirit, which is to make us holy by saving us and sanctifying us. We talked about the prepositions of the Holy Spirit within and upon. After that comes the presence of the Holy Spirit. And by that, I mean the gifts that we have. 1 Peter 4.10, it says that we all have received at least one gift and we need to minister to others and so we're born with gifts and then we're born again with supernatural gifts what are your gifts you know thank god we have guys that have gifts that have given them back to god it's important for us the church cannot really go out and be everything we want to be how we want individuals to be saved unless people are exercising their gifts i'm thinking of this thursday and i'm so excited that Ryan Reese is coming out, you know, and I and I've seen Ryan, you know, up close. I see the way he genuinely loves people. One by one, ministering to them, the young people, having a heart for them. I get so blessed to see that. But at the same time, understanding he has the gift of evangelism. That's not something that everybody has. And so when, you know, he shares, it's not him. It's the gift that God has given to him and people get saved. We've seen that with Billy Graham. We've seen that with Greg Laurie. We've seen that with individuals, different types of gifts. Some people have the gift maybe of one-on-one evangelism, some with the gift and opportunities and open doors of mass evangelism. And so, you know, you invite people. Why? Because you know it's a gift that this individual possesses. And you have to, all of us here, I was thinking as I was sitting back there prior to service, I was thinking, what if everyone here just got excited, Lord, and fell in love and said, you know what? Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Touch my life. It's not something any man can do. But when God gets a hold of you, when God himself touches you by the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when he comes upon you, You'll never be the same, you know, and that's what my prayer is. I don't want you to walk away today and say, well, I learned pneumatology. I learned, you know, scriptures about him. No, I want to be filled with him. And then that's something that basically it happens every single day of your life. You're walking in the spirit. You're led by the spirit. The last one is in Galatians 5, and I think it would be good to turn there. In Galatians 5, look at verse 16. I, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. I mean, I don't know if there's anyone here who's just tired of that, tired of that. Lord, I don't want to do that anymore. You know, we're Christians, but sometimes we... Put it into a different gear and instead of walking in the spirit we're led by we're walking in the flesh he says if you walk in the spirit you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh because there's a war going on verse 17 for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish but if you are led by the spirit you're not under the law there's no limitations to what God can do if you go down to verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. And so verse 25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. How do you know you're you're walking in the spirit? There will be fruit. There there will be evidence. And the one thing that we're looking for more than anything else is not speaking in tongues. Not like you know, you're doing something flamboyant when all reality you're out of control. Because the Holy Spirit gives you self-control. You know, when you are filled with the Spirit, you know, you're gonna love, you're gonna have peace, you're gonna be patient kind this is what we we look for and how we need him in our life and so my prayer you guys is that we would just be uh be led by by him be filled with him and uh, be touched by him i'm going to pray that over all of our lives today myself included because i got to let you know that as a pastor it's not automatic a lot of times i mess up i mess up I know I'm not praying the way that I should. And I thank God for his patience with me because he doesn't give up on me. And today when I was praying, and I was spending time with the Lord, that's what he told me. He told me, he said, I love you, son, but you need to pray more. That's what he told me so that I would be filled with the Spirit. Now, I can't impose on you my personal convictions as to how long or how I will pray. And sometimes as a pastor, I'm thinking, well, you know, I, I can't, you know, impose this on them, so I don't even impose it on myself. And God said, that's where you're wrong. Because the personal convictions that I give to you, they might be different, they might be more, they might be more challenging, but that's what I've called you to as a pastor. And so God help us to pray, God help us to obey. When we disobey the Holy Spirit, we, uh, we, we, we quench Him, we, we grieve Him when we doubt or disobey. So let me ask you a question, you guys, do you believe? You believe this power is available? Are you ready to receive the Holy Spirit? I pray you you would. I was reading a uh, one post, uh, uh, and it said uh, this one guy was asking. Um, I think it was Tony Evans. He said, "Do you need the Holy Spirit to be saved?" And Tony Evans said on on the post, he said, "You uh, not only need the Holy Spirit to be saved; you need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart." <laughs> I see the Holy Spirit for every everything.